Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Ah, I just want to breathe that in. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, worship team, thank you. I appreciate just where you guys have led us this season, all of you, and our choir. We love you guys. Uh, yeah, amen, right? Amen. You know that song, um, you know, when I uh, chose this series, I reflected back in a time um, years ago in a church I attended, uh, every Christmas Eve, an individual would sing this song. And without fail, I knew it was coming, right? I knew what it would sound like. But I would get chills and tears would fill my eyes. This song is so powerful, so powerful. And I hope you're like me. I just really uh, enjoyed and been blessed by setting with this song uh, during this Christmas season. You know, the song, you know, it just, it just builds on itself as you're singing and as you're listening to it. it. It's just powerful, emotional, because you're proclaiming these deep truths of Jesus' birth. You know, we walked through the song, we looked in that first week about our worth. The soul felt its worth. Pat just knocked it out of the park with a great message, just talking about the worth we have in Jesus. And then last week, Damien, another great message about our hope, the thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. Fall on your knees. I mean, just the response that we were called into at God's love ascends in Jesus. And this week, we're going to look at verse 4 of the song and kind of walk through this. And we're going to look at our love, this love that God gives us in the person of Jesus. And then this love that we are called, that we get to live out, that he pours into us. Now, verse 4 says, truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppressions shall cease. Sing sweet hymns of joy. Right? A grateful choir raise we. Love it. And I love this section, right? Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Christ is the Lord. Amen? Amen. Uh, will you grab your Bibles? You guys get ready. When they come back, don't hurry, guys. Just do your thing here. Uh, I want to pray. So they're going to get some Bibles here. And if you've got your phone, uh, go ahead and turn to, uh, we're going to be all over the place, okay? So, uh, but go to John, I'll say 15, and we're going to move around in there a little bit. If you do need a Bible, slide your hand up, and the guys will get you a Bible. But as they're coming and giving Bibles, I'd love to pray for us this morning. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for loving us so much. Send in Jesus Christ, your son, to die for us, to be with us. And so I pray as we gaze at that love that you'd stir deep in our hearts. 
that because we engage your word, we'd never be the same. So this is your time. Make us pliable in your hands, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. So as we look at this song, we look at our love. And we're going to kind of step through this song because this song gives these just powerful hits. I mean, these deep truths. And so we're just going to kind of grab them one at a time. The first one, truly, you taught us to love one another. So we look at love. The first thing you have to begin with is what is the source of love? In the book of 1 John, uh, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, it says this, that love comes from God. God is the source of love. And why is he the source of love? Verse 8 says in that same chapter, because God is love. He is love. He is uh, the original. Have you ever tried something that is an imitation? Okay, I love crab. Okay, go with me here. I love Dungeness crab. When we lived on Orcas Island, I missed that place because people, I'm not even joking, would tithe crab to us. Yeah, it was awesome. Man, we'd, get, we'd eat so much crab. We'd open our door and there'd just be bags of crab. You know, every crab season, it was awesome. We couldn't wait. And we'd devour it. Love crab. Have you ever eat, eaten imitation crab? Okay, I'm not even going to ask because I think I know the answer. I'm not sure what that is the imitation of, but it is not the imitation of the real thing. So if you want to experience the real thing, you, got, you have to go to the source. God's the real thing. God's love is the real thing because God is love. The world lies to us. It gives us an imitation. And so often we miss what love is because we're following the imitation and not learning and taking in the real thing. God, because love comes from God. God is love. And he knows it's hard to kind of keep focus on the real thing, so he does this cool thing. He sends Jesus Christ to be a living example, to teach us what love looks like. So he walks through this, and then we could take the whole Gospels with this one. I'm just going to give you a couple little uh, places where, where he shows us, he teaches us how to love. Remember this, the woman at the well, John chapter 4. There it's a Samaritan woman. And Jesus does something that no one else will do. He shows up. He shows this woman her value. And he offers her living water, his living water. He invites her in when she was an outcast. He showed her value. Love shows value. John chapter 8. Jesus is teaching. And a woman is caught in adultery. A woman and a man. Asterisk on that one. We'll teach more about that um, someday. But this woman is brought before Jesus, and they're going to stone her and kill her. And what does love do? Love steps in. And love begins to show these people that are going to stone this woman that we're all equal. That we're all equal. 
in that equality, there is protection. He says, who is condemning you, woman? Because they all, when they started figuring out they're all equal, they started taking off, leaving. Love. Love is a great equalizer. Jesus tells a story to explain kingdom love, and it's the story of the prodigal son. It's a father, a son took his inheritance and lived like a wild man. And then he got to the end of himself, and as he came back to his father, you know, many of us know the story. Many of us would know what we do in that story. But Jesus is love. The love he's trying to teach us does something different. Does something different. It offers extravagant grace. This son says, I just want to be a servant. That's all I want to be. I am not equal. His father runs to him. He loves him. He kisses him. Gives him new sandals, his family robe, puts the, the singlet, the ring on his finger. You are family. Here is grace, unconditional love. You belong to us in here. Jesus' love is full of grace. Unconditional grace. And in that, we see part of the greatest description of love. If you look at John 15, verse 13, if you're there in John, you can look at that. The greatest love ever demonstrated was God himself, Jesus coming to earth, Emmanuel, and dying for our sins, dying in our place, giving us life when we deserved death. See, love sacrifice. Love sacrifices for us. And Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. This baby, in this beautiful Christmas story, as we're looking at this, came to die for us in our place because of our sins. He became sin to free us. It's the greatest act of love ever known to man. If you look at John 13, verses 14 and 15, and you know the story. It's Jesus in chapter 13 has, has washed the disciples' feet. And when he finished, he said this. When you think of loving God and loving like God, he says, I'm going to send you in the same way that I taught you to love. I want you to do the same thing. Because if I, your Lord, your teacher, wash your feet, then you should go do the same. To love like Jesus. So when we look at love, we think about Christmas. It's a great call for us to love like him. Let me ask you a question. Who has loved you like Jesus? Think about it. Who has loved you like Jesus? How did it make you feel? How did it impact you? I think I know the answer. I bet it changed your world. I bet it changed your world, changed your entire life. Whether it was a mom, often I hear about these moms displaying this great love of Jesus and sharing that with their kids and their kids coming to know Jesus. For me, I've shared this story many times, but it'll never get tiring for me. 
a little old lady in the neighborhood loved me like Jesus. I didn't even know why she loved me, but she loved me deeply and ultimately led me to Jesus. And when I got my life figured out, it took about 20 years or so, you know, um, <laughs> and I could take in this love that she showed me, this love that she led me to, that I have received in Jesus. I would say all the time to my wife, I've got to thank her. I didn't know where she was or what she was doing. I said, I've got to thank her. She has changed everything. She changed my life. I can tell she changed my wife, my sisters, my children. And now 20-some years of ministry, all the lives God has used me to touch. Because she showed Jesus' love to some kid. And, and praise God, I got the opportunity. I, in a sense, I accidentally, I put that in quotes, ran into her. And that poor lady, <laughs> I literally went kind of on the crazy side telling her, you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, she doesn't even remember leading me to Christ. You know what I said? I don't care. I remember. I remember. And I want you to tell you my life is different. Uh, who loved you? Jesus' love is beautiful, and it changes everything. So as we keep going in this, this song, it starts talking about how we are equipped to love like Jesus. It says this, that his law is love. His law is love. And, and to understand this line, you've got to understand the law in basic terms. There's an old law in the Old Testament, the law. And what the law was, it was, it was a law that was kind of divided into three main categories. There was a ceremonial law, and that was about the temple or the church, the things they had to do there. There was the moral law, that which where your heart was and how you lived from there. And then thirdly, there's something called the civil law of how you lived in community. And there are 613 commands another word for law. 613 commands that the Jews had to follow. And so what the old law was about was about doing. Very, very busy religious life about doing. Now the law itself wasn't bad. It was good in this way. It was to remind the people of their need for God. So as they would do these activities, they were reminded that they could not achieve it themselves. They needed God. But then the new law came. So Jesus came, Matthew 5, 17 tells us, uh, and he satisfied, he fulfilled the law for us. Once and for all, Hebrews 10 tells us. And he ushered in a new law. And this new law is love. If you look at John 13, verse 34, it's a little later in this upper room experience where Jesus washed their feet and he's talking, he's teaching because he's preparing them for when he goes to the cross very soon. And he says, I want to give you, I want to tell you about a new law, a new command I give you, he says, is to love one another. As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. I'm going to give you a new law, and that new law is love. It's to love one another. 
But it's a new type of love. Something unique, something different. It is the Jesus kind of love, a holy love. The Greek word for that word love there is agape. And it means unconditional love. Now that is a foreign, that is a new love. I would say sometimes it's foreign for us today of what it means to be unconditionally loved. It's not about doing, but it's about being. It's about being. Unconditional, you can't earn it. It should not provoke fear in you. Am I there? Am I arriving? Am I loving you enough? Am I doing enough, God? That is not agape love. You are missing it. You're missing his new law of love. It's about being. It's about receiving it, not because of who you are, but because of who God is. And he is faithful to his promises to love us. So it's about receiving. It's about surrendering to this agape love and being filled with it. As you grow in maturity in Christ in relationship, more and more and more to a point of this, that you begin to overflow with agape love. Then you satisfy the new law. You overflow with agape love and you love one another with Christ-like love, with agape love, a pure love, a holy love, not from you, but from God as he pours it and fills into you. His law is love and it is beautiful and it is freeing. Be filled, surrender to it, allow it. Don't let the world tell you you are not worthy of it because that's what it tries to do keeps going here, how he equips us to love like Christ, says his gospel is peace. His gospel is peace. So, so there you have to understand what those words mean. Gospel is pretty simple. It's the good news of Jesus. It's the good news of Jesus and his work and all that that means. All the divine work that Jesus does. The gospel. Now peace and I love this. We got a little teaser in our Advent, you know, so we have the great theologian, uh, the Martin family, tell us about uh, this peace and what it is. They quoted John 14, 27 to you. John 14, 27, Jesus is talking to his disciples, again, preparing them. He says, I want to tell you, I'm doing something different. Um, my peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Not as the world does. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It is a new peace, something different, something deeper. And the meaning of this, the Greek word for peace is irene, uh, and it comes from the Hebrew word, which you heard earlier, shalom, which means peace. And it means wholeness. If you want to give one word, that is the meaning of God's peace, what Jesus brings, the Prince of Peace, is he brings and leaves shalom, which is wholeness. To make complete is what shalom does. It's to a point where is lacking nothing. Everything is as it should be. Shalom, 
So it's a greeting that has divine meaning. When someone says shalom to you, they're not just saying, hey, have a good day. How you doing? No, it's deep. It's spiritual. Are you complete? Are you whole? Are you lacking anything? That's the blessing of shalom. So we see his gospel is peace. What is Jesus' peace? And it's big. It would take us, we could do a, a year-long study just on this, so, so you know. So I'm simplifying it, but I want to bring it to one aspect of shalom, okay? And it's this. Um, when he says his, um, his gospel is peace, the good news is peace, is that Jesus is restoring us. Re- restoring us. His work uh, coming into this earth and on the cross and in the grave restores our shalom. It makes us whole, makes us complete. And what it restores us to is to who he created us to be. You tracking with me? I don't want to lose you here. It restored us to who he created us to be. Genesis 1.17 says this in the garden. He calls us humans. Very good. I love it. But he says he created, created us in the image of God. Imago Dei. In the image of God. And what does that mean? It means the character of God. That we have the character of God created in us. So we won't be God. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying, we're going to be like God and have his characteristic qualities so someone can see us, experience us, and they'll experience God, it says. So he is restoring us through the cross to our imago Dei, to the character of God. And I already quoted it. 1 John 4, 8 says this, God is love. You see where we're going here? He's restored us in his shalom to the character of God and the absolute essence and every attribute and characteristic of God comes from love because he is love. And he's restoring us to that. Why does it feel so good when you experience love? Why does it hurt so bad when you fall out of it? Because God is love. We experience God when we experience love. We are the closest to God when we are experiencing love, and it feels good, doesn't it? And when we give love, we are the closest to God. We are experiencing the characteristics of God when we love somebody. Doesn't it feel good to love people? Because it's who we were created to be. What a beautiful Christmas gift. Shalom. An opportunity to be loved. Restored into this place that God has us to be. To be all that God has us to be. It's the greatest Christmas gift ever. Shalom. Now this love. This love's a powerful, powerful love. That next song. uh, Change shall he break. For the slave is now our brother. And in his name, all oppressions shall cease. It's incredible. As we look at the power of this love and what it does. Jesus says in Luke chapter 4. As we look at the, the, the power of Jesus' love. In Luke 4, he is starting his public ministry. 
And he actually quotes from Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 58 in Luke chapter 4. And just so you know, the statement makes a lot of people mad, okay? He says, here's what I am anointed to do. I'm anointed to set the captives free. To heal the blind. And to give liberty to the oppressed. I'm going out to the brokenness. To where the world is hurting and longing. To the marginalized. I'm going there, just so you know. They got really, really upset, just so you know. Galatians 5, the whole chapter, but first one says this, that that's what he accomplished. It says, he set us free for freedom so that we are not under the yoke of slavery anymore, the slavery of sin, the slavery of the law, the old law about doing versus being. It says, I have come to set you free, all of you free. Love is powerful. Jesus' love is powerful. It's his love, take this in, that changed the world. What wars could not do, have never been able to do, love did. The world spun on a dime the day that Jesus Christ was born. It has never been the same. Our calendars are measured by it. Everybody is aware of it. Even today, it is the most, um, it's the bestseller of all time is the Bible. Still today, it changed the world. It changed it in this way, that love showed up and it called us to do something that was radical. And that was to love our neighbor as ourself. It was a foreign concept but he took it a further. This is where your faith, your Christian faith is unique, the fingerprint of it. Take it a step further. Love your enemy as yourself. Bless them. Don't curse them. That's where our faith gets really hard, just so you know. That changed the world. The Roman Empire. You know, it, as we've talked about through this series, you know, uh, they uh, were over Israel, and they had them in captivity, the great Roman Empire. Well, it fell because of this. Constantine ultimately prayed to this Jesus, this God of the Christians, because what he saw them doing. He saw them loving uh, incredible. And there's many, many things that they did, but here's this one thing that Christians are doing that rocked his world. is. Uh, little kids, so you gotta be careful here, okay? Um, what they would do, okay, when they had an unwanted birth, okay, it was just what you did. You would put these children on the roadside to, right? You with me? I, mean, I don't wanna give too much detail. You, little head nods, you with me? Uh, and it was, a, you could not, they had to make a law because the Christians kept coming getting those kids. Their enemies' kids, they would go get and love them and raise them. Right? Is that love? Is that love in your enemy? That's the power of love. And Constantine, in his deepest need, thought, I'm about to get slaughtered in this battle, and the Roman Empire is going to fall. I've been watching this, so I'm going to pray to that God. He seems to be pretty powerful, seems to change people's lives and do something radical and different. 
and he prayed, and you know, and they won the battle. Um, and all of a sudden, Christianity became uh, the fate of the Roman Empire, and whew, like a wildfire, it spread. But you, what did that? Wasn't a war, was it? Well, you could call it a war, but it's a war of love. That's what we possess. That's what we have. That's why Christmas is so powerful. Jesus is so powerful. Our song, O Holy Night, you know, is a song that God used to point to his love to change the world. We told you the history of this song. Uh, it was written in France. A pastor, and it's kind of funny if you read it, uh, it was around Christmas, and he wanted to, um, I forgot what the word is, but um, install a new organ. They used to do that. I don't know if you guys, if you're old enough, you know churches all have these little tags, you know, uh, sweet Susie in memory of her, right? It's like, Old churches can't get rid of things because, who Susie? I don't know, but it's in her name. But they would commemorate these things that people would give. So they wanted to do that with an organ. And he said, man, we need a great song. It's Christmas. So he knew this atheist, you know, loosely associated church, but as a poet. So hey, would you write something? I want to give a little reading at this. So the poet writes this thing, which is Old Holy Night now. Uh, he loves the words, shows the pastor. They said, this is amazing. So they went and got a composer and said, would you put this to music? So this world-renowned composer puts it to music, um, and then they start singing it. And it just took, it was amazing. <laughs> what happened was uh, uh, the leaders of the church, because you know, it spread all over France, uh, hey, this is written by an atheist, and I forgot to tell you, the composer was a Jew. No way, it's banned, out. But the people had it. It was their song. In fact, many people call O Holy Night the Christian anthem. And it would not be denied. So for 10 years, it just rose and everybody sang it, just not on Sunday morning. Guess what? They surrendered and said, they brought it back. But John Dwight in America, a believer in America, um, he was watching this, this new America, and there was something that did not line up with God's love, and it was slavery. And he's watching these people uh, and how they were treated. He says, well, this is not who God created us to be. This is not right. Something's wrong with this. And just a stirring started up in the north of this country. And then he heard this song in France, and he got it, and it spoke to him. So he translated it to English, gave it the title, O Holy Night, and the words that you and I sing today, and he brought it to the people. And again, it took off like wildfire and became the rally song for the North in their fight against slavery to free the slaves. It's the power of God's love as we look at this. And so... <laughs> As we look at the power of Jesus' love, how does he impart it in the world? He imparts it to you and I. He gives it to you and I. He gives us, Ezekiel 36, us a new heart. He changes our heart so that we can be Christ's love to the world. It's a huge responsibility. I want to read scripture and uh, just describes that heart in 2 Corinthians Chapter 5. And really, it kind of, 
well, really sets it up well in 14, but I'll read 16 through 18. It really describes the heart that Jesus gives us, this power of a new heart. Verse 16 says, so from now, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So what you see happening here um, is Christ says, you know, the love of Christ came in, in verse 14 and transformed and changed us. And it's called the ministry of reconciliation, that God reconciles with us through Jesus Christ. And then through that love, we are called to reconcile with others. And it changes in a couple ways. It changes how we see ourselves. And it changes how we see others. And it changes the actions we have. It changes how we treat other people. See, when we look at ourselves through the lens of the gospel, the cross of Jesus' love, what we will see is we see ourselves as worthy, that we have value, that we are worth God himself sending his son to die for us. You are worth that. You are worth that. And it brings us a great hope, right? A great hope about the future. There's a promise. There's a tomorrow. No matter what we're going through today, there is a hope and a future and a promise for us in Jesus Christ. So we can tarry on. We can keep putting one foot in front of the other because of his love. And we see ourselves that way, loved. Loved. I already talked about how good love feels. Love brings you to a place of confidence, right? When you are loved, you feel confident. You ever met somebody that has found love for the first time? Man, they can, don't they, they, they can change the world, can't they? Man, the sun's a little brighter, the trees are a little greener, you know what I mean? It's amazing what love does to you. It changes, in a sense, everything. It gives you this place of peace and confidence in God. So we see ourselves through that lens, and that changes how we see the world around us in Jesus' name. So we look, I don't want to take you, I'm going to just tell you a story, but the book of Philemon, chapter one. Okay? Well, it's one chapter, but all through there, um, it talks about this story. And it's, uh, the story is about uh, a slave that run, ran away. Right? He ran away from Philemon, the slave owner. Okay? His bond servant, a little different slavery than what the American slavery was like, uh, but slavery nonetheless and ownership of a person and these things and, and not equal. Um, and so in there, what we see is this. Paul is going to speak through this letter to Philemon to say, you know, this gospel is powerful. This gospel should break chains. This gospel is going to make this slave your brother. And because of what Jesus did and in his name, all the pressions are going to stop. The pain is going to stop. That's what Philemon is about. 
It changes the way we see each other. We see one another's reconciled, like we are reconciled to God. It changes the way we see them. We see people as valuable. We step in for them. We see, we speak their worth, much like Jesus taught at that well. We see people's values. What Paul wrote to Philemon is, this slave, Onesimus, has value. Uses the word useful, but that means value. He has value. Much like that woman at the well. He says this, he is equal to you now. He's equal. No longer is it slave and owner. No, this is someone that's equal in the gospel of Jesus Christ because the most level ground in the world is the ground at the foot of the cross. It's equal. It's equal. So invalid. Give him grace. Give him forgiveness because you needed it, Philemon, who Paul led to the Lord in Ephesus. You needed it. You give it because you're equal. It allows us to see people as equal and say, no, that's wrong, and invite them up into the place where that equal ground at the cross. It allows us to show people that they are loved, that they are loved, that we will sacrifice for them, that the hurt, the oppression will stop in the name of Jesus because we've been freed, you will be free, whatever that oppression is. And it, sometimes it finds itself in great ways, great social ways that we talk about, but a lot of times it's subtle. Sometimes it exists within you, someone's heart and head. They are believing the lies of the enemy. And love calls you to step in and say, no, you're free. That is not who you are. You have a new identity. Shalom. You are whole. You are complete in the name of Jesus Christ. You can rest assured. So as the worship team comes up, I'm going to invite them up. And we're going to look at what should we do as we look at Jesus' love, God's love for us, and the love that he calls us to give out. When we look at that, what is the right response? What should we respond doing? Because here's the thing. Is when we receive Jesus' love, and we take that love, and we love others in the same manner, we will all have a Merry Christmas every day. Every day. That is how powerful love is. That is what's been given to you. That's what we get to get filled up and overflow. So this verse and this song ends with, I think, the really the only appropriate response. It says, as sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we Listen to this. With all that is within us, praise his holy name. When was the last time you stopped and with everything in you said, I get it. I know how much you love me. And I know that love can come into my life and transform and change me and fill me up and overflow to the world around me and absolutely change the world. Break their chains. Make them free. 
when was the last time that you did something different than just sing a song? I'm going to invite you to stand with me. In church, I want to, and even if you're home out there, um, I love you. You stand up. I'm going to invite you to embarrass yourself at home. In the name of Jesus, with everything that is in you, praise his holy name. Oh, night divine, oh, holy night, it changed your world. So let's join together in grateful chorus and praise him.